The cancer journey is unique for everyone. It's time to figure out our new normal, and there's no one-size-fits-all manual. Welcome to Unspoken Cancer Truths with Jen Cochran, because surviving is just the beginning. Welcome to Episode 34 of Unspoken Cancer Truths. I'm your host, Jen Cochran. I saw a great meme as I was doing some research in preparation for today's episode. It said, when life gives you lemons, I won't tell you a story about my cousin's friend who died of lemons. That made me laugh. After you've experienced telling people you have cancer, you definitely get it. None of us escape those conversations without a few stories and the sadness of those who've passed away, or more commonly, quote-unquote, lost their battle. This brings me to today's topic, the language of cancer. The more I talk with people about their stories, the more complexity seems to come up around the words we choose when talking about cancer. When I googled language of cancer, I received 847 million items in 0.31 seconds. Clearly, how we talk about cancer is a highly talked about issue. When you hear the word cancer, what comes up for you? What words do you think of? Survivor, battle, fight, victor, warrior, courage, bravery, victim, journey, resilience. Or then we have situations where the actual words are avoided altogether, saying things like the big C, or using other metaphors to avoid actual words. I think I've heard them all, and then someone comes up with something new. There's a lot written about the military-style words used to describe cancer. Fight, battle, war. And in a lot of these articles, people are talking about the need to stop using these words. Let's talk for a minute about how this actually became a thing in the first place. In 1971, Richard Nixon signed the National Cancer Act into law creating the National Institute of Cancer. At the time, he officially declared a war on cancer. From that point forward, the language around cancer became aligned with fighting battles in the larger war on cancer. There are hundreds of articles written on the idea of winning or losing this quote-unquote battle. In January of 2015, scientists from the Johns Hopkins Kimmel Cancer Center published a study in the American Association for the Advancement of Sciences publication, also named Science, that concluded two-thirds of cancer risk in adults can be attributed to what they described as random errors in cell replication. They actually described these errors in a very technical way. I'm not kidding here. They called it bad luck. Bad luck was found to far outpace heredity and environmental factors contributing to cancer. And this goes back to what I'm always saying. We may never know why we flipped the cancer switch. And it's not our fault. This research reinforces that idea that a major factor in the cause of cancer may be outside of our control. Powerfulpatients.org referenced this research in their article, Words Matter, Why Cancer Isn't a Game of Winners or Losers, where they wrote, The battle metaphor takes no account of the sheer randomness of these diseases. 
In January of 2016, Nancy Stordahl wrote in Breast Cancer Now, Struggling to live up to some gold standard of what beating cancer means adds to the already exhausting burden on patients. We need to stop patronizing and judging cancer patients based on misguided battle talk analogies. Cancer isn't an opponent in some war game you can stomp out by mindset or determination. And I can't agree more. I'm all for staying positive. That's important for our mental well-being and helps us make choices that support us in other positive ways. It's very true that even the best mindset and strong-willed determination to be cancer-free may not result in that outcome. And that is not a failure on the part of the patient. And this is where that battle terminology starts to become a challenge, that battle between winners and losers. For the last 50 years, we've been waging a war on cancer. And honestly, it may take another 50 years to soften the battle language that's grown up around cancer stories. Sometimes that language actually feels accurate. In the last month, we've lost two icons to two different types of cancer, and both were fierce fighters, not because they faced cancer, but because they were advocates for social justice and equality. And it's just who they were. I'm referring to Chadwick Boseman and Ruth Bader Ginsburg, two icons who led by example and will be remembered for their achievements and how they left the world a better place for having been here. This idea of waging a war is just one component in the language of cancer. In June of 2019, EverydayHealth.com published a speaking cancer glossary. The majority of the terms covered in their lengthy list were medical terms. Definitely helpful when getting a diagnosis and needing a place to start to understand the lingo. There were some curious things in their glossary, though. First was their definition of cancer. And I have to say, I was a little surprised to see that it was actually defined as part of the list. Cancer was defined as a disease characterized by abnormal cell growth in an organ or organ systems that may spread to other parts of the body. There are more than 100 types of cancer. In essence, this definition is true, though the World Health Organization states that the word cancer refers to more than 200 different diseases, twice as many as in their definition. These next terms were the ones that I found to be particularly interesting. Previvor survivor, thriver, and warrior. Previvor was a new one for me. It means someone actively trying to prevent cancer through surveillance or prophylactic surgery. Okay, people, I really hope that everyone listening who has not been diagnosed with cancer can now call themselves a previvor. To me, this means you're getting the regular checkups and whatever surveillance-type activities you qualify for based on age, and family history. Things like mammograms, colonoscopies, annual well women visits, and annual physicals. I am a fierce advocate for all these things. So get out there and be a previvor if you're not already. Johns Hopkins may have found that bad luck is a strong contributor to cancer occurrence, but prioritizing our health is something we can absolutely control and early detection always results in better outcomes. 
The next term is a big one, and I'm curious about how you feel about it. Survivor. Everyday health defines a survivor as someone who has finished and survived treatment. I have to say, using a version of the word you're defining in the definition is not always the best way to go. That said, this is a bit curious. I've read in many places and been told by several of my doctors that cancer patients are considered survivors from the moment of their diagnosis. I believe this is also how survivorship statistics are derived as well, which makes sense. There needs to be a standard timeline that defines a consistent start to survivorship across all people in treatment. I was diagnosed in May of 2016. My surgery to remove the affected area was in June. I had chemo from August to December and continued Herceptin infusions through July of 2017. If we didn't say survivorship was calculated from the date of diagnosis, there could potentially be four different dates that could signal the start of longevity data as it referred to me. Talk about confusing. But I digress. Survivor. This seems to be a challenging word for people. Since it's a common word related to cancer, it was one that I accepted without any issues. I was talking with a fellow breast cancer survivor who volunteers with an organization entitled Survivors Offering Support. I asked her if she used the word to describe herself. She said it didn't bother her one way or the other. Since it does bother some people, she takes their lead. As we continued our conversation, I said this is so confusing to me because the dictionary definition of survivor is a person who survives, especially a person remaining alive, after an event in which others have died, or the remainder of a group of people or things, or finally, a person who copes well with difficulties in their life. To me, all these definitions work to describe a person who's navigating a diagnosis, treatment, or living beyond treatment with all the challenges that may also come with that. When I shared the official definition with her, She immediately said, actually, that makes me feel much more aligned with this word survivor. Now we need to shed the potential feelings of survivor's guilt that I've seen so closely associated with the discomfort people express when considering using the word survivor to refer to themselves. This is definitely a challenge that we all face as we inevitably lose people on this journey. Remembering that we can only control what we can control. The next term is thriver, defined as someone living with stage 4 cancer. This was a really interesting one for a few reasons. First, this is not actually a word in the dictionary. The word thrive is defined as grow, develop well or vigorously, prosper, and or flourish. The word thrive comes from an old Norse word, meaning grasp or to get hold of. The old Norse meaning seems closer to someone living with stage four cancer, where we want to get a hold of it and stop it where it is. The more interesting thing is that this term thriver is one that people tend to use regardless of their survivorship status when they're uncomfortable with the word 
survivor. The final curious term defined by everyday health was warrior. They define a warrior as someone currently in treatment. And now we've come full circle back to the imagery of cancer as something to battle. Jeanette Rawlinson recently wrote an article on the National Cancer Research Institute's UK blog entitled, The Language of Cancer and COVID-19. She said, when it comes to illness, especially potentially life-changing illness, we often struggle to find effective words to express the situation. So lapse into analogies, metaphors, give our condition a nickname, or identity to deflect, distract, deny, or otherwise cope with our thoughts. I've often wondered when people struggle with the normalized language of cancer, if that's indicative of where they are in their story. I know in the early days of my story, as I was needing to share that news with people, I definitely distracted them in the way in which I told my story. And I never used the word cancer. So I definitely used some of those tools. This week, Her Growth Collective discussed triggers in our Thursday evening Instagram collaboration. And I was talking about the difference between sharing our stories from a place of a healed scar or an open wound. When we share from the healed scar, we can share with perspective of having moved fully through the thing we're sharing about. I think in those cases, our language can become more normalized, more what the mainstream kind of incorporates in terms of the language, and it's less triggering for us. When we share from the place of the wound, the story is more raw. We may not be fully accepting of where we are in the story, or it may be easier to assign that nickname or speak in analogies from a scared place of fear. One friend gave her tumor a name. It was something like Mildred. Rather than saying cancer or tumor, she referred to Mildred. That worked for her in those early days of figuring it all out. And there's nothing wrong with that. In time, the wound heals and we can speak from the perspective of the healed person on the other side with a scar. A few weeks ago, I was talking with Trevor Maxwell of Man Up to Cancer, and we talked off air about all the language challenges around the topic of cancer, from how we describe ourselves to how we describe our experience. And he said he often uses the word journey because that seems to be the common word we hear used. And I completely understand. I tend to use that word myself. He also said sometimes he wants to call the situation a train wreck, a disaster, or I loved this one, a cancer cruise. I like to look at our cancer as another chapter in our overall story. What do you think? Did some of these words resonate with you? Did some of them repel you? If they repelled you, do you know why? Is there a trace of the wound in your current story? Or do you have a healed scar? Come on over to the Facebook group, Surviving is Just the Beginning, and tell me what you think of the language of cancer. Maybe you have some other ideas on how to change the language of cancer. I would love to hear them. This week marks our return to weekly episodes. There are some fantastic conversations on the schedule for the next couple of months. October is just around the corner. October is Breast Cancer Awareness Month. 
And as much as I want you to be aware of breast cancer, I believe that that should be happening every single day. Remember, be a previvor. During October, I will be talking with a panel of breast cancer survivors each week on a different topic of survivorship, from the challenges of chronic pain and cognitive dysfunction to the very real challenges of anxiety, depression, and fear of recurrence that we regularly face. I hope you'll check it out. Join me next week when my guest is Tara Galliano. We will be talking about her work with helping women cancer survivors to feel good about their bodies after surgery, chemo, and radiation have taken a devastating toll. I hope you'll listen in. As always, I hope to see you in the Facebook group. Surviving is just the beginning. Thanks for listening and have a great week.